Welcome back, Lakana fans. Today, I want to talk about a finance topic that I think is not covered enough, and that's spoils. It's more than just that last card you open in a pack. A lot of people kind of just treat it as, you know, the little extra you get in the pack, don't really think about it. But I want to talk about what is the real value? Is Are they being valued correctly? What is the chance of their value going up? What should you do with them as a player or as a collector? I think it's a topic that hasn't been talked about much, and I hope that I can take you through the journey of Lakana foils. What exactly drives the Lakana foil market? What is the actual demand? That we're looking at in terms of foils. It's clearly not as high as there is for regular cards, but that doesn't mean that it's zero either. So what is the actual demand that we're looking at? Because that's one of the most important questions I think we need to ask. Both what is the demand and what is the supply of these foils? Clearly those factors are going to determine what the prices are. What is the actual rarity of pulling a certain foil? This is something that isn't technically known. I'm going to show some numbers that I think based on the pulls that we've done uh, over the past couple months, um, where I think approximately where things are at, but no one really knows. And to be honest with you, the I don't think the prices are necessarily reflecting what those pull rates are, considering how low they actually are. Remember, you only get one foil in a pack, and that foil you're getting, regardless of, of rarity. What are foils actually worth? I think it's very interesting when you take a look at what foils are worth both on their own in comparison to what the actual card itself is worth, like a non-foil version of the card, and uh, like what their price ranges of different parties and what they are amongst themselves. And finally, are foils over or undervalued? Um, I think a lot of this comes down to personal taste, to be honest with you. And I'm going to talk about this later, but, but I really think the decision whether or not you own foils or not is really a personal taste. I, I think overall, and I, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I, I get into a lot of this, and I don't know that's a huge factor, but in the end, we know there's still distribution issues. We know there's still supply issues overall with the game in general. I don't know that we've necessarily even reached a point where a lot of players are like, yeah, you know, like, I want my foil place as opposed to I just need to own cards, period. I, I mean, we all know that basically playing with foils is, is essentially pimping your deck. Um, I, most players, in my opinion, right now are just treating foils like regular cards. Again, the card availability is an issue. Uh, a lot of players are not necessarily making a distinction between foils they own and the non-foils they own. I've seen uh, a lot of players basically like, you know, I, I have four of a Tinkerbell or something like that, let's just say, right? And three of them are non-foil and one of them is foil. They, they don't care. Like, they're not, those are the only four Tinkerbells they have to open in their own packs. So they're willing to just play with them. Um, I think most players just don't care right now since most players, most dealers that are out there on TCG player are also players. They don't really care either. And I think that has a huge effect on what the pricing is. They're basically just looking at the foil in the pack as some extra money they can earn. Um, if if they're able to get enough product and then that price kind of gets spread out throughout the different rarities. But in general, like they look at the foil as like just extra added bonus. They're not even factoring into like how much money am I making when I when I buy product, et cetera? They're basically just looking at it as, as extra free money. Um, so they're not really seeing it. They're kind of just seeing it as like, okay, it's just something else I can list. It's not like I'm dealing specifically in foils or I'm dealing specifically in chances, et cetera. I, I don't think we have enough supply in the market to necessarily have people segmented in such a way. So the demand is really whether or not a person wants to pimp out their deck. I don't think it's the large percentage of the population. Um, I know, like, in my situation, for example, like, I, I'm fortunate to have opened enough product to where most of my playset is just more conveniently foil. Just haven't been 
been selling them. Um, so, but I don't think a lot of players are in a situation where they're like, I want to have foil versions of the card. Now, as we'll get into in a bit, there are um, there are certain foils, especially on the common and uncommon side, that you can tell are the more playable ones. So p- players are willing to start foiling out their decks, but I don't think it's a large majority of them, especially when you look at the prices. Um, most players basically are saying, I have to spend a lot of money to get the version. I'm not going to spend the extra money to get a foil, and that'll that'll come in there. I think collectors are driving some of the demand for foils uh, compared to players, but but they're just again, I don't think there's enough pure collectors out there yet. Um, this is just my interpretation of what's going on based on the based on the singles that I sell. You know, when I when I sell a ton of singles to like certain people, I'm generally selling playsets or I'm generally selling, you know, a lot of cards at a time in bulks of four or selling a giant amount of etc like that to like stores and things like that so i'm not seeing a bunch of one-ofs that somebody's buying honestly most of the time people are buying multiples of a card so i so it seems like to me that most of the buyers are out there, especially on tcg player are players and not collectors hey what are you doing with your foils uh let me know in the comment below uh do, do you care do you are you using them as regular cards as most players are are, are you are you saying to yourself hey I'm going to save them over here to the side. I'll play with the ones I have. And then, you know, when I'm able to get more product, I'll eventually just foil out my deck or something like that. Are you just going to foil out one deck? Are you looking to foil out a playset? What are you doing with your foils? I really want to know how players are acting like this. I have a very, you know, small slanted view on what's going on, but I'd like to hear uh, what your opinion is on the situation. And if you, whether you like foils or not, do me a favor, hit that like button. And if you're not subscribed, you want to hear more content like this? We talk about finance issues and more content every week. Hit, hit it there, the subscribe button as well. So what's the actual supply? So I included three pictures here. One legendary, one rare, and one common. I, I didn't include every single rarity. I figured this was enough to get a, a swap of what's going on there. And the, the thing I want to point out here is foils, there are just way less listings of them on TCG players than it is. Rapunzel listings, which honestly isn't that much. Uh, to be honest with you, especially given her price going down, et cetera. But that's really not that much, to be honest with you, from a competitive standpoint. But there's only nine, less than 10 foils out there. So by definition, less competition means prices go up. If you look at it, so so that that's almost like, what, a six to one ratio? Like, that, that's, that, that's a lot. Um, that shows you how, how difficult it is to open certain legendaries. I know um, if I was to pull other legendaries, the, the numbers are similar. And, and we'll talk about some of that in a bit. Um, if you look at Cusco, who happens to be the highest price, I, I picked a high cards for this, by the way. Cusco happens to be the highest price rare. This is almost a, like a little bit worse than a two to one ratio. There's 46 normals that are out there. 20. I think this is more of a factor of, you know, Cusco's like whatever, like a 15 to 18 dollar card. His foil is probably like, and I'll get to this in a second, probably like, you know, a 22 to 25 hour card. So the, the delta there is not that much. So a lot of players are more willing to just sell the foils because they see a card that's a super high velocity when they list it. So I might just list the foil version as well. I bet you that's a lot of what's happening. But when you go back down to the common side, um, on Wolfens and Sorcerers, one of the higher price commons, there's almost 300 listings, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, obviously, commons are going to have a lot more listings. But only 73 foil listings. So now you're talking about basically like a 4 to 1 ratio. And that probably seems pretty like pretty realistic of what you're what you can see when you go through the rest of the cards. So I would say the supply is pretty much a, like a one to 
ratio of normal, like foil to normal cards. Um, it doesn't, it, so it basically means that like if you're looking to buy uh, foils, you probably have to spread that money around different dealers. You probably can't buy a playset off a dealer, which might happen in some normal kind of cards also, let's be honest. Um, but in reality, uh, it's going it's going to be difficult to find play sets foils off the same player because even if you think about even though, though we're a little bit more mature and what's going on in the in the cycle of of chapter one with some a few players selling out and people buying collections etc that's kind of where we're at because like you really can't find packs anymore um even even those players that are selling out don't have massive foil collections so you're really just kind of at the mercy of what people have opened, and that doesn't surprise me one way or the other. So I found this cool picture of the foiling process on the right-hand side. Uh, these are approximately the rarities that we've opened. Um, so I want to I want to draw your attention to basically like what the way I see the foil rarity. Again, none of it's official from Robinsberger. Uh, legendary foil is about one in every two boxes. So we're talking pretty much like half to a third as, as rare as. In Enchanted, for example, so I mean, there was talk in the beginning, there was talk for a while that legendary rares were just as rare as Enchanted. They're not. Um, they're about one in every two boxes, seems to be about what I've gotten uh, foil legendaries. And obviously, like, you know, there's totally legendary, so if you, if you want to have a playset, it's going to take you a ton of product to open to actually get a foil playset, for example. Uh, foil super rares are box. Um, again, 12 of those, or I'm sorry, there's 18 of those, so again, it depends on which one you're looking for. So you have that that situation as well. Rares are about two to three per box. Uncommons five to six per box, and the rest are pretty much commons. The major factor in pricing is not card rarity, though. It's it's the card playability, and you're going to see that as we talk about the the actual foil price. So so just mind you, I guess you could say. Um, I know most of you are not looking on this on a regular basis, but this is as of I think um, like around. I'm, I'm recording this on. October 13th. This is about the October 11th prices. Um, again, as I talked about in my last video, I tend to look at the median prices. The median prices for you know all the rare, common, uncommon, rare, etc. So what you see, for example, is like the median price for a common is 12 cents. Well, the median price for a foil common is 62 cents. That's that's a lot. You know that's that that's that's over five times. The median price for an uncommon is 23 cents. Dollar 50 for an uncommon. Again, over five times the price. Um, but then it starts to it starts to get lot worse and and i think this is a, an important point that i want to talk about is on the rare side the average rare or i'm sorry the median are 21 but the median foil rare is 358 that's not your five to one ratio that you had before that's that's basically a three to one and it gets even worse with super rares three dollars and ten cents for a median super rare but only five dollars and 47 cents for a foil super rare that's not even two to one so now we're talking about not even having a multiplier now, legendaries, it gets a little bit better. So you have a, almost a $24 legendary and like $51 for a, for a foil legendary. That's that one area two box thing. So at least that's over two to one. But it's that super rare and rares to me that are a little out of whack. So what does this say? I mean, this is the foil premium that you're looking at, what I, what I just talked about, 417% for comments. I'm not going to read them all out. The ones that really stick out to me, though, is, is that that super rare. Now, granted... I will say that this is probably a factor of a couple things. One, of the 18 super rares, some of the playable ones come in the starter as foils. So those are those are obviously reduced in price. And then some of the other 18, they're just not very good. 
So when you look at the median, it's just you don't have these pulls. Like you're looking at the median, not the average. So that you're not pulling up, as I talked about before. So I, I guess it's not surprising considering that super rares in general just aren't very good. Uh, when you and, and that's depressed a lot of the price. So you know, I'm just that's probably a bigger factor than anything else. And legendary um, is is basically only a little bit more than two to one. Again, the most important factor is playability at starting market price. And this is the first major point I want to point out. It's almost penny rich, foolish, I think is the, is the term, but people are willing to spend more money to get a premium version of a cheap card. They are to get a premium version of something that starts expensive. Because for example, you're not going to pay, like, let's just, if, if the ratio was the same in legendary to common, you're talking about having to pay $250 for foil legendary, if those ratios were the same. And somebody's just not willing to do that. But will they pay, you know, in this example, will they pay $51 for a foil version of a $24 uh, legendary? Apparently the answer is yes. But they're very willing to pay five times the amount on a common. So it, it seems like they're just willing to just pay a higher premium on the lower price cards, understanding that any foil in general is hard to get. Any specific cards foil is tough to get, especially getting a place out of them, like, you know, Playable commons, excuse me, playable uncommons, etc. It's just harder to get a place out of those types of cards, so they're willing to pay that premium. It might be hard to read, but I put out here the market price. This I sorted by foil, so this is this is the the buy rarity, the, the most expensive. For example, you see um, commons, friends on the other side, foils are almost four dollars versus a regular one's twenty cents. I mean, that's insane. Um, again, for all commons and uncommons, we kind of have to factor in the fact that a lot of them are in the uh, are in the starters. Um, so what happens is, you know, you can always get the regular versions by buying starters, but the foil versions, you're up to chance. So I think that's a big factor. Like, you know, you, you actually don't see when you sort by this, you don't see the, like, you know, Simba Protective Cub, which is the highest price common in the game, um, at a median price of, you know, 50 cents, its foil is only $2.26. So that ratio is not as high. Uh, from the uncommon perspective, you know, you have exactly what I'd expect, Elsa, Flynn, Dragonfire, and again, if you think about it logically, look at the drop-off in the regular price of Dragonfire because it's in the Ruby the Emerald starter. So a regular Dragonfire will cost you $0.28. Cents. Um, this is this is the market price, by the way. It costs $0.28, cents, but a foil is $0.37. So it costs you a tremendous premium to, to get a foil version of a card that you can find in the starter. The rest of them are pretty much the playable and commons. I'm not surprised. From a rare perspective, again, you have the highest highest price foils are still pretty much in line with what the highest price rares are. I just want to point out that, like, again, nineteen dollars for a Cusco, but it's, but the regular ones is sixteen dollars. I mean, you're not you're barely even paying what a twenty percent premium to get a foil. I mean, that's that's cheap. So I on a lot of these expensive starting price cards. Players are basically like, I don't care if I get a foil version or I get a regular version. If I get a foil, fine. But I pretty much just sell it, let it go, no pun intended, for not that much of a premium compared to regular. Super rare perspective, again, we're looking, I'm sorting this by highest price. So the, the playable ones, again, Tinkerbell, New World, Stitch Rockstar, Ariel, The Queen, um, all the way down to, I guess, technically down to Han, are pretty playable in most decks. Um, again, you're not paying that much of a premium. 
And from a legendary perspective, again, so Rapunzel, Elsa, etc. The one that really stands out here and the one that I really find interesting is making Brave Little Taylor. You can get a normal Brave Little Taylor for under $20 right now, but a foil one is $75. That is a huge markup. I don't know if people think it's the D23 one. I don't know what the deal is. I know he's like the the flagship card of the set, but I I, I just find Brave Little Taylor to be an interesting anomaly to the foils. I, I guess this is probably the one that stands out to me to be the biggest collector one, along with Elsa, uh, Snow Queen, along with you know some D23 cards that are out there. But I do find Brave Little Taylor to be an anomaly compared to a lot of the other cards that are out there. So I did just want to point that out. Um, if you want to pause the video, take a look at some of these prices. Um, I can always provide a link to it. These are just some some charts that I put together. So what's that foil premium on on single cards? So now sorted by that, and this is really interesting. You look at something like Aladdin Street, which sees a decent amount of play in certain Ruby Amethyst. You could foil one is almost three dollars, which means you're paying a two thousand percent. That's twenty times, twenty times the premium on this. That you dog very playable. You're paying. 1600%. That's almost a 17 times its regular value. Same thing with friends on the other side. Look, from a common perspective, it's very interesting to me that people are willing to pay the premium on to get foil versions of them. But on the higher price rarities, they're not because they're saying to themselves, okay, well, you know, 20 cents, I can pay 250, but, you know, $60, I'm not going to pay whatever, $1,200. Like, obviously that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it's really interesting when you think about that from what if they did? Why are they not? I, 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 and again, it's that penny rich pound foolish perspective. From an uncommon perspective, it's really interesting. An Olaf foil, I guess, probably due to collector, uh, people just like Olaf, I, I don't know. Um, you have that massive increase uh, on Olaf, same thing with Dragonfire, Rafiki. A lot of the other ones are obviously more playable. Um, but they're also, again, the ones that have a, a lower starting price. So again, you have a situation where I think most players are basically saying common and uncommon perspective. I mean, really from any rarity perspective, if I have a foil version of it as a seller, there is a certain um, value I have to get. It's not worth it for me to even sell it unless I'm getting a certain minimum value. And players seem like they're willing to pay a massive premium on foil versions of these cards that are cheap to start with. They're just not willing to do it on the higher cards. And it's just, it's interesting to me that I, I guess there's just, a, there's just a floor people are willing to do. I have to tell you from my perspective, I just haven't been selling foils because I just think the market is too, too tumultuous. And now might be a time to finally start doing it now that the supply has been way down. But honestly, like to me, the market has just been too tumultuous. And this is what you find. Like this mathematically, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me when you can compare the left hand side of what you're going to see eventually to the right hand side. From a rare perspective, again, you have Scar Mastermind, Flotsam, Maui Demigod. These are unplayable cards, yet their foil versions go for massive increases compared to the regular ones. Now, why are the regular ones so low? Because they're unplayable cards. So people want to get a foil set. Somebody's like, look, I have a foil rare. It's one. It's two or three in a box. I, I, you know, again, the numbers that we've we've experienced. I have to get kind of premium for that, and they're willing to pay it because the only people that are really looking for it are those people that are willing to to finish sets. The playable cards on here, like I don't see like if if you 
if you make this bigger, for example, like you don't see Maui on here. You don't see Cusco on here because they're foil versions or Lilo on here. They're foil versions, as I saw it showed you another slide, are just not going for a premium comparatively. And that's what we're looking at here, the percentage comparatively than the regular versions. Same thing with Super Rare. No one plays Marshmallow, but it's it has a huge premium percentage compared to regular. And again, what I find really interesting about the Legendary here that I want to point out is just that mass premium right here uh, on, on Mickey Brave Little Taylor. So again, the reason I want to point this out is not because I, I think that these are undervalued or overvalued. It's because it's interesting to me that for the lower rarity cards, again, it's, it's, it's not always that the premium you're paying is not solely based on playability because there is just a minimum that dealers are trying to get by these cards because they know how rare they are. They're only getting one per pack. So if somebody wants to buy, like, for example, a playset of just name, like, you know, Beast Mirror or something like that, like something that's, that's sort of playable, like Stitch New Dog or something like that. It's not like a protective cub. These are not in every single steel deck. So just think about it. Like, if somebody wants to get a playset of that, a dealer is saying to themselves, if I own a playset of it, I need to get a certain value of it. And whether even if that's like 2 or $3 each, sell a regular one for 50 cents or, or 40 cents or even less. So that premium that they're charging compared to market value uh, on a foil, it, it basically, ha they're using it to justify the, the price that they have to pay for the sealed product. And it's, it's not necessarily, again, that premium percentage is not necessarily based on uh, actual playability of the card. Just the fact that, you know, the overall value of the card of foil is based on playability, but the percentage difference might not be. And in fact, it's the opposite, it seems. So what's the conclusion here? Well, if you're looking to bling out your deck, here's what's going to happen. There are significantly less listings for foils compared to regular cards. Uh, and once in, in once they dry up until we hit this October restock, which doesn't seem to be happening, it's now October 13th, and I have not received any information that they're coming in this weekend, it didn't come in last weekend, etc. So who knows when they're going to come in. Supply of cards is just lower, and obviously supply of specific foil cards is also lower. Um, you just have to get lucky that someone's collection has those, for example. Um, Players are obviously willing to pay a higher foil premium on their cheaper cards. And to me, they're they're probably priced. I mean, you, you basically are saying it's basically equal to the chance of actually opening a specific common foil or a specific uncommon foil. I don't think people are out there saying, I need to get a, a foil version of He's Got a Sword, get a foil version of Cut to the Chase or something like that, the ones that come to mind. But... If they are going to buy it, they're willing to pay a few to, a few extra dollars. Because to me, if you're willing to spend the money to try to get foils compared to normal cards, you know you're going to be paying a premium anyway, so they might as well do it. Uh, to me, high rarity, rarity foils are pretty much underpriced overall. Uh, but I think the big factor is people are willing to spend that percentage of higher delta to get them. That's just all they're, you know, to me, right now, getting money is just not important enough to them. Comparatively, collectors are not a massive uh, factor in the market yet. I think collectors, in order to become a collector of anything, you have to have the ability to basically get it at a cheap rate to start with. And because supply is so limited, I think the normal Disney collector in general still can't even start collecting Disney Arcana. 
I'm not sure that set two is going to help with that. Um, I'm hoping the December restock with that. And then more off the street collectors who don't even play the game will come into the market. And that, in my opinion, will drive uh, the foil market even higher. I do think foils may hold more value in the long run because there's always going to be less supply of them that are out there. And I think that once sealed demand, sealed supply increases for all players, the players get enough and then say, okay, it's time for me to start investing in foils. I want to play with foils in my deck. So the demand may actually increase right now. That demand can't even be satisfied at all. And look, if you like foils, get them. I mean, it's a good time. You you see what you're paying. Especially on the higher price cards, you're just not paying that much comparatively. If you want to pin my deck, go for it. If you like the, the way that foils you know play, go for it. I personally like them, so I'm all about it. Go for it if you want. If you just want to use it as your fourth version of a card because you own it, go for that too. Play Warcana the way you want to play it. No one should. No one's telling you one or the other. But I can tell you, <laughs> listing them individually, it, it's not going to do a whole lot for you. So you want to just use them if you have them, because it, it, you know it's time. You can't do a whole lot else with them. You might as well just start to use. Them, in my opinion, foils to me are kind of the uncharted territory when it comes to kind of finance. Uh, I think it's it's a topic that a lot of people have not talked about. I think it's something that. You know, you need to be aware of it's going to happen every single set. Every single card is going to be foiled. I'm hoping we that's that's basically where we're at. Enchanted and foils. We don't need too many other uh, premium type cards. Other games do. Uh, we need to kind of keep the, the the versions of cards down. So there's not too many of them out there. There's promos. There's enchanted. There's foils, etc. Um, I think the main thing is, I do think demand with them will eventually increase as supply increases. Doesn't necessarily mean that prices will increase, but I do think in the long run. What's most important about foils is whether you want them or not. It's not necessarily something that you should be betting on, uh, taking a rise, necessarily selling now to expect a huge dip. Um, I got to get rid of them now. Like that, that's not a factor either. And again, let me know what you're doing with your foils and how you like to either collect them or use them in your deck. Because I'm really interested to know how many people out there actually are interested in this type of thing and whether or not it has any influence on the types of decks or what you're doing uh, with the foils in general. Thanks. See you next time with more and more what kind of finance.